Hymn 429 is our hymn. We are on the last stanza, which is stanza number five. My God desires each soul's salvation. My soul, he too, desires to save. My soul, he too, desires to save. So as we speak about leaving all things to God's direction, we speak about God's will and we pray that God's will might be done. Uh, we know concerning his will, the reason that he, even before the creation of the world, knowing what was to happen, he determined to send his son. It's because my God desires each soul's salvation. There is no one that is outside of God's uh, desire to save. There is none that can say, well, I don't know if he didn't want to save me. No, he, he did want to save you. He does want to save you. In fact, he is working uh, to save you. How does he work to save us? What does he do? What does he do? Karen? He provides the church, which provides us God's word and sacraments. What do we call the word and sacraments? What are they? The means of grace. They are the means that God uses in order to shower out his blessings on us, to shower his grace upon us. Uh, that is the way that he is saving us. We say, oh yes, uh, I'm saved through faith, through belief in the promise concerning salvation. This hymn doesn't deny that in any way, but it even goes much further because the scriptures do in fact teach even concerning that word and that sacraments. You know what? God is working out, stanza four, uh, we didn't meet last week, but stanza four, God knows what must be done to save me. The Lord is working out, we would say, even all of the physical things so that he might bring you to the church so that you might come to the point in which you might hear the word and believe. Or in the scriptures they say things like, uh, God has worked it out uh, so that each nation and people might be in certain places and at certain times. Why? Because God is working these things out. He knows what needs to happen. Next line. Therefore, with Christian resignation... All earthly troubles I will brave. All earthly troubles I will brave. Now, we might decide that, you know, I, I don't want to have this illness, or I don't want this particular persecution, or I don't want to suffer. But the Lord knows what needs to be done in order to save us. Uh, sometimes the church fathers before have said uh, things like, Lord, don't give me too much that I lead away, and don't give me too little that I lose hope. In other words, Lord, what you really want is to save me. And if it involves whatever may be, uh, then, as it says here, uh, my will is wrong. It's always wrong. But the Lord's will is right. And so we begin to look and to say, Lord, you must be working to save me. There is a resignation, a Christian resignation, where we say, well... Um, if I can be free of, of whatever it is, well, then fine. But if not, uh, then I resign myself to a God uh, who loves me, who is working out the best for me, and who is desiring to save me, to give me eternal life. 
All earthly troubles I will brave. Everyone? All earthly troubles I will brave. His will be done eternally. His will be done eternally. What pleases God, that pleases me. What pleases God, that pleases me. Stanza number five. My God desires his soul's salvation. My soul he too desires to say. Therefore with Christian resignation, all earthly troubles I will pray. His will be done eternally. What pleases God that pleases me. For our catechism, I've got down uh, six and seven. That's probably a little much, uh, pushing things together. We'll see if we can get through uh, at least the sixth commandment. Uh, it is on page 300 if you want to uh, see it. You shall not commit adultery. Everyone? You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. Each commandment begins with, we should fear and love God so that. Um, this then is a response to the God who has saved us. We fear to displease him. Uh, we desire that his will might be done. What does uh, our Lord desire? Well, as we go through the commandments, we see that he is protecting uh, and, and teaching us of things. The first commandment deals of our triune God, who God is, that we might not be harmed by idolatry. The second commandment deals with God's gift of his name, uh, that we might not misuse it, but use it rightly. The third commandment deals with, it says remember the Sabbath day, but it's dealing with the giving out of the word and the sacraments. And so it's dealing with the preaching of God's word, that we might pay attention to it. Those are the first three commandments. They deal with the first table of the law. Fourth commandment through the tenth deal with the second table. What particular gift is God protecting with the fourth commandment? What gift? Family. Family? Particularly? Family includes father, mother, son, daughter. Honor your father and your mother. It deals with parents. It deals with that which is the authority figure in the church. It is uh, in the house. It is the father and mother and in the church. It is the pastor. Uh, in the government is those which are the governing authority. So here he sets up authorities, particularly father and, and mother. Fifth commandment, what gift does God protect? Life. 
life, life itself. You shall not murder. Who protects our, our body, our life. Sixth commandment, what gift? What is it? Marriage. marriage. The God's gift of marriage. God has given us the gift of marriage. He says you shall not commit adultery. That is, he is going to protect this estate of marriage. God is the one who has instituted, he has set it up. It is the lifelong union of a man and a woman. All right. Uh, so as we speak about this gift of marriage, which God has set up, it is not uniquely given to the church. There are other gifts that are uniquely given. Baptism is a gift. Lord's Supper is a gift. Marriage is not uniquely given to the church. In fact, it is given to, well, Christians, non-Christians, all. If, if you are male or female, this is a gift which God has uh, provided uh, for you. So we have this gift. Um, what are its purposes? What's the reason? Uh, God has, has given this gift. Marriage. Practically three, we usually say. Mark? I, I think one of the main reasons is, is to give you um, a help me, someone else who completes you so that, you know, so that your Christian life can go on rather than spending all your time striving to survive. Okay. We would talk about the help and the comfort that is given one another in marriage. That is, that they might, yes. Um, uh, my uh, grandmother, um, I was told, uh, after a while of uh, uh, dating, told my uncle, two can live as good as one. You need to get married. Um, uh, yes, there is, there is the help and comfort. Procreation of children. Uh, this is its primary purpose that God has given, that there might be uh, the procreation of children, that there might be, in connection with this, and closely related to it, the raising of children. <laughs> that is, that there might be a stable environment uh, uh, in which children might be brought up, um, that they might be clothed and fed and taken care of, and closely connected with that. Tonight. Hopefully join the church. That they, say Hopefully join the church. And thus to raise them in the Christian faith, that they might be taught the faith, that they might be taught the godly life of believing in Christ. Uh, absolutely. Um, third purpose. I put all of that in number two. Third purpose. After the fall, after the fall, there is no morality. This, this is for the purpose of providing. Morality. This is for, for exactly. Um, to say the opposite side of that coin is for the avoidance of fornication. Absolutely. That this might serve what? that each man might have his wife and each wife his man, that there might be a place in which there might be chasteness um, and God might uh, uh, provide then a, uh, uh, an avoidance, an honorable, uh, the scriptures talk about um, that the uh, marriage bed might be honorable, 
just a, a proper place uh, for uh, what for the way that God has created and and has uh, given to us. In Luther's Catechism, uh, he says uh, that uh, we might fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life. That is what he is speaking about. Um, in what we say and do. Hmm. What about this say? In what we say. Um, can you disobey the sixth commandment by what you say? How would you do that? Hmm. Karen? Disrespect and dishonoring what? Your spouse. Your spouse could be the first. Or others. Or the spouse of others. Oh, no. mm. Yes. If this is a good gift and as God has given us, we ought to speak well of it. Right? Um, you know, you probably shouldn't refer to the old hag I live with. That would definitely be a disrespect of. Um, you shouldn't put marriage down. Um, you, in fact, you ought to hold this up. You ought to speak well of this gift that God has given. Well, you shouldn't have any jokes that make fun of sexuality. Okay? Jokes that make fun of. Sexuality. God has created us. He has created us male. He's created us female. Um, these body parts, sexuality that God has given, it is, well, rightly good. Um, to make fun of it is to make fun of God's creation as if he made it wrong or as if he made it bad. Um, no. But also we speak of those particular parts, which we would say uh, uh, are spoken of in modesty. Um, that is, uh, your ears don't need any particular modesty. We don't have to cover them in certain clothing, nor do we have to treat them in a certain way. Um, they are quite presentable. There are other parts in which we, well, in modesty, clothe them. We give them special treatment, not because they are dirty or bad, but because God has set them apart, and God has said this is special. And so um, in that way, too, we also ought to respect that. Um, there are times, maybe you have a... Uh, rash or something, you might have to go to the doctor, they may have to examine your, your private parts. Um, perfectly appropriate. N appropriate for your spouse? Yes. Appropriate for your neighbor? No. Um, and so we have to respect what God has uh, provided in that. Alright, so we have that. In each of the commandments there's usually a positive and a negative. There usually is a, you should not hurt or harm your neighbor, but you all will support him. In this one, well, Luther says that we ought to lead a sexually pure and decent life. He doesn't mention the things that are not. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't give you a long list of aberrant sexual behavior. Why not? And I think that is absolutely true. Um, this is common knowledge. Um, uh, in a world that has gone crazy, yeah, sometimes we do. 
um, we do have to list and, and say, I'm sorry, these, these things are, are, are out of line. Um, these things are not in keeping with uh, God's creation. They are not a way of, of thankfulness. In fact, they are also something that will, in effect, harm you. It will harm the relationships that you have. Um, God has provided that which would be a healthy relationship. Uh, if you are simply going to try to figure this out by your own human experience over time, you will find it is much too late um, uh, in order to have uh, um, a uh, healthy and happy life. This is something which God has said, I created you, I made you, uh, this is the way uh, it is provided. That being said, the scriptures go much further. Not only do they speak of the uh, one union between the husband and the wife and saying that this is a thing that is good for all creation, that this is something that uh, is for us, it then takes that uh, example of a husband and wife in a lifelong union and the scriptures come around and say, guess what? I can teach you about a spiritual lesson based upon that. What kind of spiritual lesson is taught us about marriage? Christ and his church. Christ as the bridegroom, the church as the bride. What did Christ do? Died for us. He died for her. He came and died for her that he might make her his own, take away her sin. Uh, he came and married her. Is he faithful? Does he have a wife on the side, girl on the side? No! Um, this is one in which he is completely devoted to her. And so we see that this is a, a, a picture of this, how then do we as the church respond to Christ? We're the bride. How's the bride respond to her bridegroom? Honor her? Thanksgiving? Love her in response? Ab love him in response? Absolutely. Um, submit to him. Yes. And so his will and that which comes. In the same way we see this in the marriage service, don't we? With the husband and the wife, even having their vocation. And so we see that this is the, the union. He seeks her first. Same way, uh, uh, for husbands, your job is to love, and to love first. Uh, that's what the head does. He reaches out. He, he wants to make sure that not his needs, but her needs are taken care of first. And so we see that also with Christ and uh, the church. Questions? I think I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go ahead and uh, light the candles and... We'll begin with the order of Vespers. Page two twenty four, please stand. Open my lips, and my mouth will declare your 
Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of your bulletin. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is God's word. Hymn 429. I leave all things to God's direction, for he loves me in wealth or woe. His will is good and his affection, his tender love is true, I know. My strength, my fortress, rock is he. What pleases God that pleases me? My God has all things in his keeping. He is my ever-faithful friend. He gives me laughter after weeping, and all his ways in blessing hand. His love endures eternally. What pleases God that pleases me? The will of God shall be my pleasure. While here I live, life's interim. My will is wrong beyond all measure. It does not will what pleases him. The Christian's motto then must be what pleases God that pleases me. 
God knows what must be done to save me. His love for me will never cease. And all my sins, my Lord, forgave me with purest gold of loving grace. His will supreme must ever be what pleases God that pleases me. My God desires each soul's salvation. My soul he too desires to save. Therefore with Christian resignation all earthly troubles I will break. His will be done eternally. What pleases God that pleases me. Mark chapter 7. Jesus is going through Tyre and Sidon. He's actually on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, not necessarily in Jewish territory as, as much as being kind of on the edge uh, of that. Um, it says, they bring to him a man. Who's this they? Who is it? Then they brought to him, who's they? Believers? We think it's believers. What do they want? What do they want Jesus to do? Heal him. They didn't say heal him, though. Yeah. They want him to put his hand on them. Put his hand on him. Um, at the end of the service, the pastor raises his hand and gives you a... A blessing, exactly. If it is one person, he gives the blessing with his hand. What is Jesus? They're asking Jesus to give him a blessing. They're asking Jesus absolutely to heal him. Um, who would believe, exactly, uh, someone must believe that Jesus can heal this man? Well, then they brought him to Jesus. Um, good thing for believers to do? Yeah, well, of course. Um, unbelievers are not going to bring him to Jesus. Only believers are going to do that. Um, so, yes. Hmm. You guys believe? What do you believe? Believe Jesus can heal? Absolutely. Save? Forgive? He does it all the time. He does it all the time. You, too, might, well, have neighbors, friends, or whatever, and you, too, might bring them to where... Well, they can hear about Jesus. Here's where Jesus is being given out in word and sacrament. So also, this, uh, these men bring uh, this man to Jesus. What's wrong with him? What's wrong? Liam? Yeah. He's deaf, which means he can't... He can't hear. <laughs> Did you hear me? No. Uh, he's deaf. He can't hear. You've got another problem, if that weren't enough. He's got a speech impediment. When they finally get to the end, it says he also makes them mute to speak. 
He may not be completely mute, but I, obviously there's a speech impediment. He can't speak. Usually these go together. If you can't hear the words, it's very hard for you to speak out the things that you can't hear. This man can't hear, and he has a speech impediment. He can't speak very well. Um, hmm. There's a verse in the Psalms, call upon me in the day of trouble. Uh, this man's got some trouble. Later on, uh, Jesus does something. It says he sighed. <sighs> Usually I sigh when overwhelmed, when I've had it, it's too much, <sighs> right? Um, what is it? What's wrong? It's too, we look at this man, he's got not one problem, he's got two. How bad is it that you can't hear? How bad is this problem? It's a life or death problem. It's a life or death problem. No, Tony, I can live just fine without hearing. I can walk, I can eat, I can sleep. Not eternally. Not eternally. We got a problem. The word is that which creates faith. Faith comes from hearing the word. Jesus looks at this man and says, what you can do right now, come and hear God's word. He can't hear the word of God. Hmm. This is a problem. It's a terrible problem. More than that, then, he can't speak. He can't hear the word, so he can't tell you about the word. He can't rejoice in the word. He can't, well, what do you need your words for? What's the counterpart to hearing God's word? Praying, thank, returning. God speaks to us in his word. We speak back to him in prayer. In that same passage of Romans 10 where it talks about hearing the word of God, it says, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, wait a minute, he can't speak. I think that sigh is to look at this and say, this is not the way the Heavenly Father, the Creator, made the world. And he said, it is very good. He made us with ears to hear. He made us with mouths to declare his praise. And he looks at this and he says, the devil has wrecked, has wrecked this. He had, this is a terrible situation. And so Jesus recognizes it. Um, he recognizes our, well, sad situation. Sometimes when we see that people have sinned, it just makes us mad. And we get mad at them, whatever. But instead, to look and to say, look at what sin has done. Look at what it has done to them. Look at how it is controlled. Look, they don't know any better. Um, Jesus comes to our world that he might help us. So he, they bring him to Jesus. They beg him to put his hand on him. They beg him. Um, beg Jesus to do that. That sounds a little funny to me. I don't know. Why, why does that sound unusual? You beg somebody. Well, you don't know whether he's going to do it or not. Aha! Hmm. When I beg someone. It may be one, you don't know. It may be two, I don't think they're going to give it to me. Can I really have chocolate before dinner? Really? Can I have it? You know. Uh, or. I think is also what, I, I'm not worthy of this. Um, I can come and ask, I, I don't know. Um, what about Jesus? 
The reason I find this so unusual is Jesus, does Jesus not want to heal people? Is he like hiding away from people so that he doesn't have to heal them? Yeah, give me an example where he says no, right? This is one who, when you call for mercy, he loves it. Mercy is confident. I mean, we know that God wants to give us mercy. And so to come and to, to beg him to ask for mercy, you know, this is, this is the God who wants to have mercy. Jesus takes the man aside, okay? Um, and, and what does he do? Well, um, Dylan, he takes the man aside, and he says to the man, now listen to me, I'm going to heal you. Is that what he does? Why not? He can't hear. He can't hear. Exactly. So what's he going to do? He's going to communicate. We're going to see verbal. We're going to see the clues. In other words, I'm going to heal you. First thing he does, sticks his fingers in his. He spits, touches the man's. I'm going to heal this. I'm going to heal this. Right? That's what he does. He looks up to heaven. What's that about? It's from God. Exactly. Um, uh, there are often directions concerning in the liturgy of the pastor to have his hands in certain areas and whatever. There is only one place in the liturgy um, in which it directs the pastor that he might uh, uh, lift up his eyes um, concerning the prayers of the, of the Lord's Supper. It is a direction that this is from the Lord. Exactly. Um, okay, so we have, uh, in looking up, we have him sighing. I mentioned that already. Um, he says to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Jesus' words open the ears of one who can't hear. And when he opens the ears of one who can't hear, it also looses the tongue. So that it is by the word going into the ears, even though they weren't hearing before, they are now, and Jesus has healed him. And it says that the man spoke plainly. Plainly. He had a speech impediment and couldn't speak real well. Um, hmm. Oh Lord, open my lips. Why do we want him to open our lips? So we can declare his praise, that we can speak clearly and plainly about who God is. How does he do that? Well, Jesus, how do, when do we describe Jesus? Um, Sunday morning, uh, divine, or in the uh, adult Bible class, um, we saw that in John chapter 1, Jesus is the, the word. So what happens when Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears? He's putting the word into the ears. Jesus, who is the word, heals the man. What do we want? We come to the divine service, though the pastor will preach the word so that it'll open our ears, that we might speak plainly. Before we came and listened to God's word, each one of us had a sinful speech impediment. You know what? We said, we said crazy things. We said things like, oh, well, I'm probably going to heaven because I'm working real hard. Um, uh, God only asks you to try as hard as you can. Just do what you can. Um, 
or, or we say, oh, we're all trying to get to heaven. All of that is nonsense. It's the kind of speech event. It's not speaking clearly. It's crazy stuff. No, we're all wrong. We're all going to hell. We need salvation. Um, we, it's not enough to do enough. We can't. The law shows us we failed. We're only saved through faith in Jesus. Jesus, by his word, begins to teach us so that we speak plainly um, concerning this. Then he commanded them to tell no one. Hmm. Jesus' miracles, did, did he do those privately? How about the feeding of the 5,000? Private thing? <laughs> Not really. Um, so normally you don't have just a private thing. But in this particular one, what do we have? Jesus takes the man aside privately. Now, to say privately, when the man comes back, did, did everyone go, oh, we didn't see what happened? Right? Or we didn't know? Well, of course. They brought the man, he was, and then Jesus brings him back. Um, I, so why does Jesus tell them, tell, he told them, tell no one? And then it says, yep, but they did it. Why did he say don't tell? Okay, the miracle was not what was important. What was? The healing of the soul of faith. I'll take that answer, and I would say that's absolutely true, that which is important. Um, there are other times that Jesus uses miracles to point us to who he is a Savior. Mm, what about this one? No ideas? Oh, it's fulfilling prophecy. What would that prophecy be? And then, yes, absolutely. And so Jesus, by doing this, is showing the will. And yet, he says, don't go around telling everyone. Oh, I got a couple of good reasons why, but. We do have in other places in Scripture where absolutely it does talk about he could not even go into the towns. He had to stay out in the outer places because of those who were coming and were just, as we see in some of the other accounts, it says they were simply miracle seekers. They were not concerned with that which was more important. That which, and it's not that a miracle is unimportant. It was designed to point them to Jesus himself, who is the Savior, but yes, there were those kind of things. In this particular one, it doesn't exactly tell us. Again, I'm pulling from some other passages, I'm pulling from other things, and I think that makes complete sense. But I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to ask you one more time, why shouldn't you go and tell anyone? <laughs> sometimes that's what we got. Um, sometimes Jesus doesn't tell us. Um, no, he was not doing a reverse psychology. He was not trying to get them to do it by not. When he told them don't do it, he meant don't do it. Um, and that would serve his purpose. Um, so often we get in our idea that we know better. Um, and we think this would serve to God and we should do it this way because we think it's right. If Jesus, our will, as the hymn said, is wrong, 
And God's will, if he said it, it must be good, it must be right, it must be the way. Um, and so we, we hold to that. Maybe later we will look back and see why, um, but uh, this is for the Lord's doing. When we do get to the end, what does it say? He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. I think absolutely this reference to Isaiah uh, is, is quite in order to say this points to us who he is. Um, he did it out of mercy. He did it because they came asking him in faith, and faith receives the gifts. But it then shows who he is. He is the merciful Savior who desires us uh, to come to him uh, and wishes to provide and help and uh, forgive us our sins. Questions? As we go to our prayers, we usually go through the uh, uh, various prayers. Um, prayers based upon the reading. That is, uh, Luther, as he was teaching the uh, barber, his barber to pray, he says, what do you do? You read God's word and then you pray based upon the reading. Based upon what we have heard, what should we ask God for? Kind of petition, what should we ask him for? That we would hear the word of God. Yeah, we were... Very good that we who have ears, that we would hear. Help us hear. Help us listen. Help us meditate. Think upon these things. Oh, ask him. Teach me so that I learn to speak correctly. Um, absolutely. So that's what we ask God for. What should we thank him for? He shows mercy. He shows mercy. He showed mercy to him. He wants to show mercy to us as well. Exactly. And does. That we have been able to hear his word. What a blessing we've had. Maybe we haven't realized. And for our spouses, as we learned with the sixth commandment. Thank you for bringing that back up. Um, ask God, thank him, uh, confess. Based upon this reading, what do we confess? We haven't heard the word. I, I've been around the word. And we're not listening. We're not taking it in. Or we're listening to the words and going, yep, I hope so-and-so starts doing it. <laughs> and yet not, I'm not doing it. Oh. Um, you, same thing? Maybe, too, we haven't received the spouse that God has given us as a gift uh, and spoken highly of it. Um, not only to our spouse, but that leads me to the fourth. What do we praise God for based upon this gift? What kind of God is he? He's a compassionate, he is a merciful God. And full of grace. Providing not just, well, forgiveness, but providing a spouse, children, all, all so many things. We'll include those prayers. Any others that we need for this evening? All right, we have to recite word by word um, the uh, explanation parts. Uh, I mean, those will do the Ten Commandments for me. No? You do it, Jonathan? Apostles' Creed. Dylan? Lord's Prayer? Um, Liam? Baptism? Luke? 
Confession Absolution, Tom, and Lord's Supper, Colton. Please stand. Let us pray. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community.
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our ears, that we might hear your word, and we ask that that faith might uh, come forth in thanksgiving and praise to you, uh, for you have in fact, given us ears to hear. You've provided the church to give us the word and sacraments. We thank you also for your gift of marriage, and we ask that we might uh, honor it. And we praise you, for you are a God who hears, even though we are unworthy, and grants us mercy in our respects. You know what needs to be done to save us, and for that we give you thanks. We ask also that you would be with Kara Martin. She's been hospitalized with an infection the last few days and was transferred to a, a hospital in St. Louis. And we ask that you would provide the doctors and nurses there with uh, the skills to treat her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Almighty and merciful God, whose gift it is that your faithful possess all things pertaining to faith and life, we implore you that we may so faithfully cling to your promises in this life, that we fail not finally to attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.